Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> ah, hello there. How wonderful it is to see you on this first day of 2024. Happy New Year's and this an unexpected visit to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We weren't sure if we were going to have the shop open on this holiday, but we thought it only right we start off a new year by talking about a new movie. Now, this movie has been out for over a week now, but... With the holidays, we've just now had a chance to sit down and talk. And of course, we have a particular piece here at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop that reminds me of this movie. If you'll take a look over here, we have a particular painting. And this particular painting has been painted over and repainted time and again. Of course, this a particular space scape, if you'll scrape away the paint of this you'll find a painting set in a western time scrape yet more paint off of this you'll find another spacescape and then a western dating all the way back to the original painting depicting japan in the 1500s and while this particular painting has changed over the years the composition has stayed very much the same much like a new netflix film that released on december 21st so let's pull out the kinetoscope as we take a look at the new Zack snyder film rebel moon part one a child of fire. So when I heard this movie was coming out, I was really intrigued because the provenance of this film goes back to Zack Snyder pitching this movie as a possible Star Wars film. And the whole hook to it all is that this would be a rated R Star Wars film, which we haven't seen. I mean, we haven't even seen anything close to a rated R Star Wars story, which I, I'm not a completely against if it is the right story and done in the right way. But it was an interesting concept. But Lucasfilms decided against doing this movie and... Zack Snyder went off to do the movie himself. And as we'll talk about when we get into the more spoiler territory section of the podcast, it really does... I mean, you can see Star Wars written all over this. You can see where there were uh, things that would have been very iconic imagery and terminology from the Star Wars universe where they just switched it out for something in most instances quite generic. So you can really see where this was meant to be a Star Wars movie, but they didn't get the go ahead from Lucasfilms and they just had to kind of uh, do kind of a, a cut and replace uh, sort of way of retooling the script. And it makes me wonder why Lucasfilms turned this down. Was it the fact that it was going to be rated R? Which is kind of funny because the part one that we got wasn't rated R. I mean, I don't, I can't remember. I wasn't counting swear words or f bombs, but uh, to me, it felt barely PG thirteen. I mean, this wasn't a rated R film. Now, from what I understand, part two, the Scar Giver 
is going to lean more into an R rating. But I don't even know if that's why Lucasfilms turned this down or the fact that this really is, and I'm, this isn't a big spoiler uh, unless you've seen the movie uh, that I'm referencing, but this movie is really just a big ripoff of Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. And we'll get into why in the spoiler section because I don't want to ruin it for anybody that hasn't seen it just yet. And, uh, you know, while we're kind of in some non-spoiler territory, uh, I won't get into detail what I mean by that, but we will talk about that coming up. But ultimately, this movie is, it's okay. It's not a great movie. It's not a great space epic. I, I can see where if it was in the universe of Star Wars, maybe I would have cared a little more about it because there are aspects of the the bad guys that just aren't established well enough for me to care one way or the other. It's fairly generic. Whereas if it was the Empire, I know the Empire. I know what the Empire does. I know what they've done. I know what they want to do. I'm familiar with that entity as a group of space Nazis. And I get that. Whereas you have a different group of space Nazis... (laughs) Right down to almost the uniforms, exactly. Uh, But I don't... You know, all I'm going on is the fact that they're space Nazis and they're kind of like the Empire, but I don't really know exactly what... I mean, they're not the Empire. So what have they done to earn this horrible reputation within this galaxy? And they just don't do a really good job establishing that. And anything they do try to establish is all done in just very long exposition and very long monologues and flashback sequences. And it just, it it takes its toll after a while. Oh, okay. Another flashback, another monologue, another exposition dump. And it was just... Uh, For me, I just didn't enjoy some of the storytelling. It's not that it was a bad story. uh, Outside of the fact, like I said, it is a complete ripoff of Kurosawa and Seven Samurai and any Seven Samurai ripoff that came about after that. We'll, We'll talk about some of those coming up in the spoiler section. But again, it does have some good things going for it. I think the acting is pretty good. Uh, I was quite happy with a lot of the actors. Sophia Butella as Cora, or your main character, your main protagonist, I thought was really good. Ed Scranton is uh, Atticus Noble, kind of your big bad guy in this. I thought he did a very, uh, it, you know, it felt kind of mustache twirling villain but it it worked i think for this movie a lot of the other characters uh titus nemesis darian blood axe tarak kai i I liked all of the actors that that played these characters now i'll get a chance to talk about some of them once we get into the spoiler territory but uh you know i thought all the acting was pretty good i thought the cg and the special effects were good for the most part uh, there was some CG early that I'm like, oh, wow, this this looks really good. I'm quite impressed with the way this movie looks. And then later, as the movie goes on, you get some CG that is not quite as good. Uh, I, I'd say for the most part, the CG is pretty good. Uh, but there are some moments I'm like, oh, God, that looks horrible. But it's an instance where they try to do world building and you're hopping around from planet to planet And you just don't get a chance or the time to stay on any one planet long enough to give a shit about the planets. 
uh, or the inhabitants of the planets. Uh, you barely get enough time to give a shit. Uh, and, and in some cases, you don't get any time to really give a shit about the characters that are joining the team. Uh, and I just, I really had some issues. And I, I get why they ended up turning this into two movies. Uh, they probably should have turned it into three movies because, like I said, you didn't get enough time to really care about any of these characters. Maybe save the Cora character, who you get to, to know her throughout the movie, and you get all of her exposition dumps where she tells you about herself and why you're supposed to care about her. But all in all, I, I, I can't really say I liked or disliked this until I see the second one, until I see how the story works as a whole. As of right now, the movie's okay. I didn't love it. I don't hate it. I'm actually pretty lukewarm about it, which is not a glowing review either so we'll see how things turn out coming up in april april 19th we should be seeing the second part of this hit netflix so i'll reserve my judgment how i feel about the movie and how i feel about the story as a whole but as of right now i'm just not feeling it it feels like a blatant ripoff of star wars it feels like a blatant ripoff of kurosawa's uh seven samurai and it's a story i just i, I wasn't made to feel anything for any of the characters, save one character, and even that, the Korra character, I, I didn't care that much about. And that's a problem with a film that, you know, is supposed to make you care. You care about what happens to Han, Luke, and Leia because you spend time with them. You spend time getting to know them, getting to know them and, and who they are, and, and you... You see why you should care about them. They don't tell you that you should care about them. So that's all I'm going to say about this movie before we get into some spoilers. It's worth a watch if you like sci-fi, if you like, you know, space epics. I think you'll see a better picture of whether this movie is good or not when we finally see the second half of this story coming up in April. But as of this first movie, I... You know, they're lucky I want to come back and, and watch this second movie because the first movie didn't give me much to really give a shit about. But go check it out for yourself. See how you feel about Rebel Moon, A Child of Fire, which we don't even really get. I mean, that is a line thrown out that doesn't even really have any context to this first movie. And that's... Like, come on, you're just throwing a name out there because it sounds cool and, and you referenced it once and it didn't have anything to do with the rest of the story. But go check it out for yourself, Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. See what you think of it. Come back and listen to my thoughts on it and see if, you know, we're on the same wavelength or maybe you saw a completely different movie than I did. But if you have watched it or you don't give a shit one way or the other, you just want to hear what all the fuss is about. We'll continue on as we head into some spoiler territory. So the one thing that I noticed right away, I mean, this movie, one, it is a blatant ripoff of Star Wars because, like I said, and I can't, I don't even know if I should call it a ripoff of Star Wars. They intended this movie to be a Star Wars movie. So you have all of these... Uh, shots of these big long ships from this government that they call instead of the empire it's the mother world but these big long ships and these sweeping movements across the the bottom underbelly of these ships or the top of these ships i'm like okay this is where a star destroyer was supposed to be and there were tons of shots like that Every time they say Mother World, I'm expecting them to say be saying Empire. That is where they did a search and replace for, for the script. 
there's the one scene where Nemesis, she's this uh, cyborg uh, sword master who is played by Duna Bay. And I, I like the character. The character was interesting. She has these two like regular metal swords that she heats up with, I don't know, cybernetics. I, I don't know how it exactly works. But when she swings them around, they look like lightsabers. So I half wonder if in the Star Wars version of this movie, she was supposed to be a lightsaber wielding uh, cyborg or former Jedi or I, I don't know. But it looked very much like, oh, this is where some lightsabers were supposed to be. But besides all of the, the obvious undertones of Star Wars that we got with this, it was quite easily recognizable right away that this movie was just ripping off Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai from back in 1954. And of course, that movie has been uh, ripped off or paid homage to throughout the years. They did it in 1960 with the Yul Brenner Western, The Magnificent Seven. They did it in 1980 with the Roger Corman-produced uh, Battle Beyond the Stars, starring Richard Thomas, John Boy from the Waltons, uh, George Pappard, John Saxon. Then they did it again in 2016, where they did a remake of The Magnificent Seven with Denzel Washington, Chris Pratt, Ethan Hawke, a list of uh, celebrities in that one. But all of these movies are essentially, like I said, the fine line between homage and ripping off Seven Samurai by Kurosawa, and it all revolves around a very basic plot where a village is in trouble from a big war entity. Your hero goes out looking for people to help in the fight. Generally, they'll find in a lot of these seven different warriors, each with a particular skill set that they bring back to the village, and then they teach the villagers to fight back against the big, evil, warring bad guy. And that is exactly what you get with this movie, or at least uh, the first part of it, uh, the part where they bring all of the uh, good guys, the warriors that they've collected back to the village, and then in part two, uh, the Scar Giver, that is where we are going to see. And they actually have the trailer for that at the end of this movie. So you actually see them training the villagers to fight against the Empire. I mean, the Mother World. And that's where I, I'm wondering if Star Wars and Lucasfilms turn this movie down because it was essentially just a ripoff of Seven Samurai. It was the Seven Samurai story just set in space. And spoiler alert, they already did that in Battle Beyond the Stars in 1980. So that I don't know. I haven't read any articles or any interviews where it says specifically why Lucasfilms turned this down, but I have to imagine it was either that or the fact that it was rated R and they just don't want to do rated R Star Wars just yet. Not that I think that's a bad idea, if done right, because I've always thought that Star Wars could handle a horror film with all the creatures and all of the monsters and things that you have in the Star Wars universe in this galaxy far, far away. I think you could have a really cool horror story set in the, the Star Wars universe, which I would think would probably lean into an R rating. So it's not that I don't think an R rating is a bad thing in Star Wars. I just think it has to be the right thing. And I just don't think this movie, Rebel Moon, was the right R-rated Star Wars film because it was essentially Kurosawa's film. Just a retelling of that. And Star Wars, while they may do some, some good things, they may do some mediocre things, they may even do some bad things from time to time, but 
Uh, for the most part, you don't see many Star Wars films where they're blatantly copying somebody else's work. They'll copy their own work, but not anybody else's. But that is what the basis of this part of the story, this first movie, uh, A Child of Fire, which, again, it was such a weird name for this movie because it didn't have anything to do with the Child of Fire, which is a reference to a princess that was... Uh, I don't even want to get into all the, all the essentially everything that was explained in exposition, in flashbacks. But this princess that has been lost, I'm guessing we're going to find out. And and this is may or may not be a spoiler. I don't know, but I'm guessing the one character, Sam, uh, played by Charlotte Maggie, I believe that's the character I'm thinking of. Uh, she's very. Very kind and very, uh, very kind to the robot character that Anthony Hopkins plays, uh, Jimmy. I'm guessing we're going to find out that she is this princess that has been in hiding all these years. But they reference this child of fire and then it plays into the rest of the story about 0%. But I found it funny because they, they set up this village being in uh, in trouble from the mother world and they send out the what we think are going to be the main characters at the time. Cora played by Sophia Butella, Gunner played by Michael Huseman, and Kai played by Charlie Hunnam. And I, I found it kind of interesting because it almost felt like a Han, Luke, and Leia thing where you have the farm boy as Gunner who's who's on this track you have the mercenary pilot kind of smugglery type in kai but instead of having a princess you have a, a badass girl who's a warrior instead of a princess because girl power now they turn the tables on that with the the kai character which i thought was disappointing because i actually kind of liked him he had a kind of a han solo vibe to him who knows if he'll have a redemption story much like han solo being that this is taken a lot from star wars i, I could i could believe that coming down the road but these three characters go off in search of warriors to help in the cause and and i enjoyed most of the like I said, the actors that played these characters and the characters themselves were interesting. We just didn't get to know much about them. I really like the Tarak character played by Stasnair. He's a, a nobleman and he's kind of good with animals and nature. I, I thought he had an interesting look and an interesting story about him that, that I wanted to learn more of. But no, we can't do that because we got to jump to the next world to find somebody else. They find Titus played by Jamon Hunsu. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that name right. Probably butchering it. But he's a former general and a, a big, strong badass looking to fight the Empire. I mean, Motherworld. They find the swordswoman, uh, Nemesis. We already talked about her. Also, Ray Fisher as Darian Blood Axe. Uh, you know, he, again, has a cool look. He's a badass warrior. I wanted to learn more about him, but we can't because we got to fight some bad guys. There was also the robot character, Jimmy, which uh, that was a uh, that was interesting. Like at the beginning of the movie, you're introduced to this character voice by Anthony Hopkins and I, I thought Anthony Hopkins did a really good job with voicing this robot a robot that was formerly a instrument of war but then reprogrammed to be more of a utilitarian uh, robot doing odd jobs and carrying shit uh, it was interesting and the relationship between Jimmy and Sam was interesting uh, we only got like a brief moment of that uh, I think we'll see more in the next movie. But 
I'm excited to see where this character plays in or how it plays in. I imagine he is going to be part of the group of seven that helps fight the Empire. I mean, the Mother World. But yeah, for the most part, this whole first movie was nothing but a big fetch quest. Uh, it was the core character and Gunner and Kai going around to all these different planets and moons and gathering up warriors to help train the the villagers at Korra's home moon, her rebel moon, wink, wink. Uh, and, and that's all we did. And then we had a big showdown with the bad guys. And we think the Atticus Noble character meets his untimely demise. But uh, oh no, the Empire, I mean, the mother world, uh, they bring him back to life so he can be back for the next movie, which is coming out in April. See, ultimately, this movie, th there was a few things I liked about it. Like I said, I, I thought for the most part, the CG was pretty good. For the most part, the characters that they introduce are pretty good. The core character, I found her quite interesting. A lot of the warriors that she collects along the way are interesting. I, I like the Gunner character because he's not like the straight up good guy that does all the right things. He he makes mistakes and, and that's how they kind of get in the predicament they are and how the uh, leader of their village gets killed. Like I said, I really like the Tarak character. I really like the, the Darien Blood Axe character I thought are, are really kind of interesting. I thought some of the action was pretty interesting. There's that first scene where all of these Empire, I mean, Mother World soldiers are trying to rape the Sam character. And Korra's having none of this. And she's going to flee the, the planet. But she ends up doing the right thing and getting involved. And they have a really badass, kick-ass fight scene. That's kind of one of the things that differentiated it from Star Wars. You don't really get a lot of those action movie fight sequences like you got in this movie. And I could see where if Zack Snyder was doing a rated R version, I could see where this part could have been bloodier and gorier and taken this to an R level. Uh, but I think they dialed it back. I mean, you got a little bit of blood and a little bit of killing, but it was very subdued. I mean, the coloring, they colored it so the blood's not as as red. And I, I could see where they dialed back this scene to help it not be a rated R version of the movie. And, and that's another thing that I'm like, oh, okay, Zack Snyder is all about director's cuts and he is going to be putting out a director's cut of this movie, which I imagine will probably lead more into R. It, just make the fucking movie that you want to make and stop doing this. And now I get it with the Justice League movie that uh, there was a lot of studio interference and he ended up getting booted from the movie and uh, they brought in somebody else and all that. And I get the Snyder cut that people wanted to see and they finally put out. I get that. But but this is your movie. This is your movie without any studio interference. Netflix wasn't telling you what to do. And yet you still decided to make one movie and then, okay, and then I'm going to release the real movie later on. Stop, stop with all that pretentious bullshit. 
bullshit, dude. Just fucking make the movie that you want to make and stop pandering and stop placating and, and doing whatever you're doing. And hey, look at me. I'm making a movie. But if you want to see the real movie, you got to wait till later when I release the director's cut. Come on. Just fucking knock that off. If I didn't have to watch this movie in the first place, if I could have just waited till the director's cut and, and saw the real movie that I was supposed to see, I would have just done that to begin with. I pray to God that he doesn't do that with Rebel Moon Part 2, The Scar Giver. But I am still interested uh, about the director's cut because I'm interested to see whether I'm going to like that any more or any less than I did the original movie, the original cut of this movie. Because to be quite honest, the Snyder cut of Justice League was only slightly better than the Justice League movie itself. But all in all, this is an okay movie. If you like space epics, space operas, uh, th this is fine. It's not great, but it's not horrible. Uh, don't get me wrong. And, and the fact that it is kind of a ripoff of Seven Samurai uh, makes me want to like it more But because I like that story, but I've seen it so many times before in two iterations of The Magnificent Seven in Battle Beyond the Stars and the Kurosawa film itself. So I, I've already seen this movie and I wish it wasn't just such a blatant copy of Seven Samurai. I wish it could have been its own thing. I wish it wasn't so ingrained in being formerly a Star Wars film that I, I didn't draw those comparisons immediately with a lot of the shots and a lot of the various uh, intricacies of the story and the characters in the story. And I'm hoping that they can pull away from that as this story goes on. Now, I know we're going to get part one and part two of Rebel Moon, uh, from what I understand, there is going to be, or at least Zack Snyder wants to turn this into a trilogy of movies, uh, whether each one's going to be in two parts like this one, or if the second and third movie are going to be just one movie, uh, bringing the trilogy to four movies. Yeah, I... Yeah, math, it's hard. But there's talk that he wants to do a trilogy. There's talk that he wants to turn this into a whole universe. And I hope so. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of room for space operas and stuff like this and these epic space movies. I hope that as he goes along, he pulls this further and further away from the Star Wars comparisons that this thing is obviously going to get just by the nature of the fact that this looks like it was intended to be a Star Wars film to begin with, and they just had to change the names of some things and the looks of some things to make it not Star Wars. I hope they can pull us away from that so you no longer make the Star Wars comparisons and this can be its own thing because, like I said, there's a lot of room for these epic space stories. And I think science fiction really needs that right now. And I wish this could be the, like runaway smash hit that really maybe not challenges Star Wars but becomes an alternative to Star Wars when it comes to big epic space movies. I wish it could have been that. For me right now it is not that. Uh, again I will reserve my right to say this movie is good or bad or whether I enjoyed it or not once I see part two, which is coming out on April the 19th. But until then, I'm just not sold on this quite yet. I hope the second part changes my mind. 
and makes this all worthwhile. I hope that it does well and we get to see more sequels after this. But as I said, as of right now, I'm just not completely convinced. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. Hopefully you enjoyed it more than I did. I, I just, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I just didn't care. And I wanted this to be a better movie and I wanted it to be uh, something that it wasn't. And that's not a management of expectations given the fact that this movie blatantly copies Star Wars and blatantly copies another movie, Seven Samurai. If it was its own movie doing its own thing, I probably could be a little more forgiving of this movie, but it's not. It's borrowing from so much and doing so much that it's not its own. Uh, I, I can't help but criticize it for just for that. If you're going to borrow from other people's work, you better have it nailed tight. And this movie just didn't do that. But again, I will reserve judgment until part two, The Scargiver, comes out on April the 19th. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. Hopefully, as I said, you enjoyed it more than I did. We'll find out how I feel about the second part of this coming up in April. But uh, thanks for listening to my thoughts. And you can check out more about what's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop in the new year by checking out our Facebook and Instagram pages. Always talking about horror, fantasy, and science fiction and the latest episodes coming up. As always, please leave those reviews. Five stars would be awesome. But most importantly, share this podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Like, subscribe, and follow our podcast on whatever platform you happen to be listening to this on. And as always, thank you for for taking the time to listen to us. And we look forward to a a new year full of cool horror, fantasy, and science fiction. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!